Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Hallelujah. John chapter 4, we left off last week teaching on worship, praise and worship, worshiping the Lord. This great encounter of the Lord Jesus Christ with this very rejected woman, woman that had five husbands. Isn't it amazing how, how Jesus goes to hurting people? You know, he hadn't changed. I ought to get a better amen than that. He hadn't changed. He still looks for hurting people. If you're hurting tonight, I want you to know Jesus loves you. He's looking for you. He cares about you. If you're hurting, if you've been in multiple relationships and you're hurting, if you've had financial difficulty and you're hurting, if you've had a bad doctor's report and you're hurting, you thank God you came tonight. Jesus is looking for you. Amen. He's got a good word. He's got a word of life for you and not a word of death. He's got a word of joy and not a word of depression. He's got a word of a word of peace and not turmoil. Amen. And I, 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 it just amazes me how all of these people, especially in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, many of them were so rejected and so hurt and so just beat up by the world. You ever just felt like you've been beat up by the world? And then here comes Jesus. He just comes. He just comes. The Bible says he must needs go to Samaria. That means he had a purpose. He knew somebody was there that needed help. Remember over just, a, just the next chapter in John chapter 5, he went and found the most discouraged man in Jerusalem. He goes and finds a man that sat by a miracle pool for 38 years and watched everybody else get a miracle and he got nothing. Could you imagine how discouraged that man was? Could you, could you imagine how heartbroken he was to think that God loves all these people more than he loves me? And then here comes Jesus and he just heals him right there. And, that's, and that, that just shows you the nature of Jesus. He's a cool guy. Amen? Now, I'm not going to go back through the whole story because we, we have to keep progressing into this. But he came and he, he came, began to talk to her about drinking. He said, he talked about himself being the water that God had given, that if you would drink or partake of him, you'd thirst no more. He asked where her husband was. He said, well, you know, I've had five. He said, you, I'm not, you not, not, only, not only have you had five husbands, but the guy that you're living with now is not your husband, which means don't live with somebody you're not married to. Amen. It's not a good deal. And then she began to ask him some questions about worship. She talked about worshiping there where she's at and then the worship that goes on by the true Jewish people in Jerusalem. And then Jesus kind of brought it down uh, to the reality of what he was ushering in. Notice verse 21, Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. So that shows us right now that worship is not tied to, to a geographical location. He said, well, Pastor, the only time I ever worship is, is when I come to church. Well, that shouldn't be so. If you, under, if you remember, uh, before we studied this, we looked back at Abraham and how his acts of obedience were considered worship. Worship should be something you're involved in every day as you obey God. When God nudges you and tells you to talk to somebody about Jesus. Uh, when God nudges you and, and has you do something for somebody. When God nudges you and, does, uh, and, and has you to uh, uh, go across your fence or across your yard and be a blessing to somebody else. Listen, always be obedient to God. And even if it looks like that's a risk, just consider it worship unto the Lord. Amen? So he's saying it's not a geographical location. Back then it was. 
Jerusalem or the, this mountain where Jacob was. It says, you worship what you know not. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews or comes from the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Truth For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. So the Father, the Heavenly Father, is looking for true worshipers. Those that are going to worship the Lord. It says, the woman said unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He was not hiding from her. Notice the subject of worship. Not just worship, but even the subject of worship revealed Jesus. Ooh, I ought to get a better amen than that. Just talking about worship, Jesus reveals himself. Well, if just talking about worship, Jesus reveals himself, what's he going to do when we really begin to worship? He's going to show up and heal sick bodies. He's going to show up and give us breakthrough in finances. He's going to show up and deliver depressed and oppressed and addicted and afflicted people. He's going to show up and, and produce signs and wonders and miracles. And we've seen that on a certain level. But I believe we're gaining ground and getting on a much higher level. And in the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come, we're going to see and experience and be a part of things unprecedented on this planet. Amen. Signs and wonders and miracles, thank God. We're going to begin to see and experience things on a level we've never seen before because God is looking for those who will figure out this worship equation and literally begin to worship Him the way the Word of God says to do it. Amen? Now, with that in mind, I want us to go to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 Been studying along these lines of all oh, my personal Bible study has brought me through the the law, the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible. It doesn't have to do with I, with what I study when it comes to ministry, but my, just my personal Bible study, I've been noticing the, the the nations in which God directed Israel to defeat and overthrow when they came in and possessed the Promised Land. Now, thinking back to the flood, remember that God destroyed the earth with a flood because of the wickedness of mankind on earth. Amen? You know, it just wasn't because, you know, people were stealing each other's mail. There, there was such wickedness going on that when God looked on it, He had to make a decision to destroy the earth. Now, the reason is, is when Adam fell, when Adam sinned in the garden, the part of man that motivates him from the inside in the spirit or in what we call the heart of man, heart of man, heart of women. It became soiled, it became spoiled by separation from God. And the enemy of God, the entity of Satan, imparted into the human family, into Adam's race, a force called iniquity. And there was no suppression of iniquity in humanity. Therefore, humanity just fell into Adverse perversion. Amen. Sex with animals. Uh, that, that was prevalent before the flood. Uh, 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 all types of immorality. Men with men. Women with men. All kinds of bestia. Just, just horrible. Sacrificing of their children. Blood sacrifice unto idols. Sexual immorality off, off the scale. God said, I can't put up with that. I'll destroy it. 
I'll look for one righteous man. I found him in Noah. Everybody else dies. So then once Noah began to rise up, his family began to spread out across the earth, that iniquity was still there. That iniquity was still there. And those nations in which God said, now when you get into the land that flows with milk and honey, in these nations, you kill them all. You kill the men, you kill the women, you kill the children, you kill the animals, you, kill, you erase off of the face of the earth every memory of the nations in which I'm giving you their land. That's what he said. You said, why did he do that? Because he could not allow his righteous people to grow in that environment because he knew that even though they had a covenant with God, they were also separated from God in their spirit. They had a covenant based on a priesthood and bleeding lambs, but there was no change of lifestyle. Their conscience on the inside, their spirit man was still separated from God. So they would be subject to, and it happened several times where they went with, I was reading today where I studied where they went and married the wives of Moab. Anybody know who Moab was? Moab came out of Lot's lineage when he ran from Sodom and Gomorrah and ended up in a cave and had incestual sex with his two, two daughters and produced Moab and Edom. God said, kill them all. Kill them all. Every time Israel got involved with them, they got into sin. Today, I believe it was 24,000 24, of them died at the snap of a finger because of the sin that they got into. Well, now, here's years later, and there had been some, how can we say, modernization. People, they learned that they could suppress desire that was evil, that was wicked. But man was still incredibly wicked when Jesus came on the scene. When you study Ephesus, when you study Corinth, when you study these cities, they were wicked, wicked cities. Most of them were founded on the worship of the god Diana, goddess Diana and other gods in which they, the Romans god, gods they worship, the Greek gods they worship. There was incredible immorality, incredible sexual perversion. And then here comes this move of God after Jesus rose from the dead. People are getting saved. People are getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And that iniquity that's on the inside is being removed. And righteousness is getting... Men are no longer motivated to sin. The motivation is gone. Now the flesh still desired, the mind still craved, but the initial impulse on the inside was now eradicated by the righteousness of God in Christ. And then God gave us the Word and the Holy Ghost to strengthen us and make us resilient against them temptations so that we could walk holy and upright before God. Are you with me? So... Chapter 15, verse 1. Certain men came down from Judah, which taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. So, this move of God takes off. People are getting saved. People are getting healed. Miracles, signs, and wonders. They're getting filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just Jewish people, but also Gentile people. And this is blowing the Jewish people's minds. They're losing control. They're thinking, what are we going to do? How are we going to continue to, to maintain our traditions, our religion? How are we going to keep the feast days? 
how are we going to maintain the Passover? We are losing control of this. So these men begin to travel behind Paul and Barnabas and other ministers that were going around teaching and preaching, Apollos, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, some of the others. They would come in behind them and say, yeah, it's okay to be saved. Yeah, it's all right to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's great that you got healed, but you're going to have to follow the law of Moses. They just used the word circumcision. You're going to have to follow the law of Moses. They were called Judaizers is what they were called. And they were bringing legalism into liberty. You can't bring legalism into liberty. One's got to give. One's got to give. Amen. So Paul, now he, he should have been the number one legalistic guy of them all. He was a Pharisee. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. But when these Judaizers begin to come in, he begin to say, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. That's not right. You can't do that. You cannot do that. So let's take the question to Jerusalem. That's where the, quote, head of the church was. That's where the church was founded. So let's go up to Jerusalem. So they go up to Jerusalem. They, uh, he talked and, and Peter talked and, and, and others uh, put their two cents in. Uh, notice in verse 12, it said, then the multitude kept silent. Gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Now notice verse 12. And after they had held their peace, James answered. How do you remember who James is? Now, now this is James, who is the elder brother of Jesus. They're half-brothers. They share the same mother, but not the same father. James's father was Joseph. Jesus' father was God. Is God. Amen. Are you with me? So James, he's the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. He said, after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me, Simon, that's Peter. Peter hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name, and to this agree the word of the prophets as it is written. After this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doth all these things. Now, I don't have time to go in and teach on the tabernacle of David, but here's the thing. In David's day, they set it up in such a way in which David understood mercy and grace. And there were people that had access to the presence of God that had no access to the presence of God under Saul nor under Solomon because they went back to the stringent adherence to the law. But there was this strange liberty about this guy, David. David was a Messianic prophet. David understood some things about the new covenant that nobody else understood. Remember when he committed sin with Bathsheba? He committed adultery. Then he conspired to murder the, guy's, the, the gal's husband. Had her murdered. Now he should have been taken outside the city and stoned for his acts. But the Bible says he came in and fell on the horns of the altar and cried out for mercy. And the Bible says David found grace or found mercy in the eyes of God. Amen. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to get up and just cross swords with somebody over this, but I believe he stepped across a dispensational line. Because by right, when he went into that, into that tabernacle with that sin in his life, he should have been struck dead. But there was something about David. Are you with me? So I don't want to get into that. We'll, we'll touch that later. It says that the residue of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Don't create a religion. 
but that we write unto them. Now listen to what they write. We write unto them that they abstain from the pollution of idols, from fornication, that's immoral sex outside of marriage, from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city, for Moses of old time hath in every city them that, be, them that preach him being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. Now this is what James is saying. James said, hey, listen, from the beginning since Israel was founded, there has been these synagogues in this area. They've preached Moses for years. We don't need to go preach Moses again. So what we're going to do to the Gentiles is we're going to tell them this. We're going to tell them to abstain from idols, from fornication, from things that are strangled, and from blood. Now you say, now why would he say that? Because those four things are the way they worship their demon gods in the temples in which they went into, the goddess Diana, all the gods of the sun and the moon and all of that, these orgies they would have, all this garbage they would be involved in, and they would strangle animals, they would bleed them out, they would sell their meat in the market and say, this meat is blessed, they would do all this kind of stuff that was great in morality because the inside, the iniquity, the sin motivation of man was unrestrained in its worship of demon gods. These people were demon-possessed. Anytime you see unrestrained adherence to, that's why, you know, I don't understand a lot of times Christian people get involved with, with you know, they, they, they go off to listen to their favorite uh, 70s rock band or, or do this or do Don't do that. People say, now you're preaching religion. No, I'm not. I'm telling you how to keep from devil, getting devils into your life. Amen. I grew up around that stuff. I grew up around some of them concerts. I saw some of the stuff that went on. And I knew what went on after that because demonic powers seek for expression through people. Now through people who are not saved, they can take possession. Through people who are saved, they can oppress to the point you come up, become obsessed with it. You take a poor old Christian that hadn't got any knowledge of the Word of God and they go out and get saved and get filled with the Holy Ghost and they go back to those same things that an oppressing spirit will get upon them and they'll crave it and crave it but get no satisfaction. They'll crave the drugs. They'll crave the music. They want the beat. And then they get it and they gather it and there's no satisfaction. Like, Why don't I get the same buzz I used to get? Because you ain't the same person you used to be. You are now separated from that on the inside. You are now righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And you do not need to worship those idols anymore. Mm -mm. Now with that in mind, let's go to Romans. Let's pick up Paul's teaching on this. Romans chapter 6. Oh, this is going to help some of you. Get loose. Everybody say, get loose. Romans chapter 6. Let's start there in verse 15. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Now, that's why you need to just restrain and stay away from all what I call the greasy grace teaching of today. There's a lot of it out there about how it doesn't matter. You just got to do what you want to do. You're all, everybody's under grace. Everybody's under grace. There is still a wage to sin. You say, but I'm born again. Go out and rob a bank and then tell the person that arrests you, you cannot arrest me, I'm under grace. 
doesn't that kind of settle it right there? Amen? No, no, no. There is still a wage to any sin we commit. You say, I thought Jesus took it. He did. He took the sin, the sin nature, and He's already forgiven you of the trespass. But if you commit the trespass knowingly and willingly, continually practice sin, it's going to come back and ring your bell. I can't understand. I got pulled over for DWI the other night. I was praying to God that that cop wouldn't pull me over. Why did he pull me over? Because you got outside of grace. You stepped outside of grace by yielding to your old worldly flesh. Your flesh is worldly. It has to be presented to God. Your mind must be renewed with the Word of God. Oh, this is good preaching for somebody so young as me and inexperienced. Now notice verse 16. Know ye not. That to whom ye yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants you are, to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Everybody say, sin unto death, obedience unto righteousness. Now everybody say this word with me, choice. It's your choice. You can choose to either live under sin That leads to death. The word death is separation. You say, what do you mean? As a Christian, if you live in sin, it will separate you from the blessings of God. There will be death in your relationships, death in your finances, death in your mind, death in all you put your hand to. You say, but will I go to heaven? Yeah, but you'll live in hell on earth. You don't want to live in hell on earth. You want to live in a little bit of heaven on earth. Amen? No, no, no. Whether of sin or death... Are of obedience unto righteousness. Now notice verse 17. But God be thanked, you were. Everybody say, I was. was. Say, no more. You were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. The true Greek says system of truth. That means line upon line, precept upon precept. That system of truth which was delivered you, being then made free from sin. I like that. Free from sin. If you're free from sin, remain free. Remain free. Don't go back to the jail cell. Don't go back to the bondage of an addiction. Don't go back to the bondage of a mindset. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now notice verse 19. This this is kind of the the key to this that kind of causes it to, 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 to click so that we can understand it. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity, that word infirmity, the weakness of your flesh. Your flesh is weak. Your flesh is weak. Your flesh wants to do it. Did you know that? Your flesh wants to do it. Your flesh wants to smoke it. Your flesh wants to snort it. Your flesh wants to drink it. Your flesh wants to look at it. Your flesh wants to dance to it. Your flesh wants to thump and bump. I tell you, your flesh wants to do it. That's what your flesh wants. And if you let your flesh do it, it will do it. Are you with me? I speak after the manner of men because of the weakness of your flesh. Your flesh is weak. For as ye, everybody say as ye. That's used to, that's yesterday. As ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, Even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. Now, I know that's a lot of King James, so let's let's look at it so we can understand it. You used to, as a sinner, 
Yield your members. How many know what your members are? That's the faculties that your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears, your mindset, your mind, your thinking process. That's the only thing you could use to participate with sin. Amen? I mean, you just didn't sit at home at night, you know, with the lights cut out and sit in the chair and, and say, man, I'm having a good time now. No, you got up. You went somewhere. You poured some alcohol on it. You smoked some dope. You turned up the Rolling Stones. You started having a good time. I, come on, I know what I'm talking about. I was at the Cotton Bowl in 1975. It was 106 degrees on the floor of the Cotton Bowl. And here comes Mick Jagger with a big fire. I was, ah, I know what all that's about. I'm no dummy. I've lived all that. Amen. And so you yield. And all you need is a little help. Everybody say a little help. Just a little help. Just a little hit. Just a little taste. Just a pop. Just a tap. So y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. Just a little bud. Just a little, just a little feeling. That's all I want. Remember that? Come on, funny feeling. No. That's all you needed was something to put you under the influence. And after you got under the influence, you stepped over a, a character line. You said, what do you mean? You had a character line around you. And then you begin to cooperate with sin, the unrighteousness, the iniquity on the inside of you. It, motivated, it, it, said, to your, it said to your flesh, you have permission. Your mind said, okay. Amen? So you took something, you drank it, you snorted it, you smoked it, whatever you did, and then you got under the influence and you stepped across a character line where you can't dance. But you're up on the table. You can't, you can't play the guitar, but you're up there stealing it from the band, you know, and they got to drag you off the drag you off the platform. And you start doing things outside the boundary of your character, motivated by force that's 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 designed to destroy you with something that fuels and causes it to rise to another level. Amen? And so you was a party animal. Man, you was... Amen. I mean, grow your hair to the floor and, and just run crazy, wide open, 24-7, just bam, you know? And then you get saved and you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you come to church. And God, the Spirit of God starts moving and you do this. Amen. And for you, you think, well, the party's over. The party's the party's over. You know, I, uh, the, I used to be, used to do, used to go. You know, and your worship, where you didn't know that what you were really doing, and I don't really want to get into the details of that, but much of the uh, what went on, especially in the 70s. Notice, notice they never talk about any other era, but they really like that late 70s and, and, and uh, late 60s and early 70s and all the bands. That's because they, they were just the drugs and all that kind of stuff. They, they have whole radio stations. They have whole festivals of people come out by the thousands trying to relive that, trying to get that back. Because there is an element of demonic worship to it. 
There is an element of demons finding expression through that where people lose their inhibitions. The sexual revolution. Come on, church. Is anybody here remember your history? And so there's no suppression where there are those that didn't involve themselves. They suppressed that, but others just let it go, man, let it go. And then you get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. You start getting some teaching on the Word of God. And then instead of where you never used your willpower, never to suppress the iniquity, but now it's righteousness on the inside of you. You're doing everything you can do to use your willpower to suppress the worship that's on the inside of you. So, so, so God starts you out pretty simple with something like just lifting up your hands. That's where it starts many times. You come into a church like this, and you know, everybody's got their hands down, and, and Pastor Allen gets up and, and says, everybody shake hands, and everything's fine, and, and then, you know, Roland exhorts people, going to praise and worship, and then he says, lift your hands, and everybody lifts your hands, and you go, oh, my God. <laughs> what, have I, what have I got myself into? These people, notice how most religions, most denominations do everything they can do to suppress any expression of worship other than just standing there like a stone soldier and singing some dead song written a hundred years ago. Amen. Totally suppressing. We're on the inside of you. Your insides are jumping up and down saying, I'm free from drugs. I'm free from all that lifestyle. I want to praise God. I want to worship God. I want to shout. I want to run around this place. Your flesh is going, no. Your flesh is going, uh-uh. Your mind's going, people, I think you're crazy. Now, here's a problem we do have. People take it to extremes because, see, God wants you to grow in the knowledge of God and in the character of God. So some people, they just get a little taste of the Holy Ghost and they jump right into the flesh. And they start doing all kinds of crazy stuff, not considering their brother or their sister who's sitting in front of them, who's sitting behind them. They disrupt services. They do all kinds of stuff. You've got to drag them out of the service. Amen. But as you grow in the things of God and learn more and more about yielding to the Spirit of God, then you know what you need to take your flesh outside the dimensions of character so that you can worship God like David did. Who did what? Who danced before the Lord with all of his might. Didn't say dance to the music. Said he danced before the Lord. Amen. With all of his might, because they're bringing the 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 the, uh, the the ark of the covenant from Odom Edom's house, and he knows the blessing of God wherever that thing's goes. We win the battle. The blessing of God is wherever, and it's coming back to Jerusalem, and it's finally coming back the right way. So he's dancing before the Lord. He's unrestrained as a king. He's unrestrained as a priest. He's unrestrained as a prophet, and he's not even saved because his flesh. Got a taste, got a bump, got a tap. You say, what do you mean? Your flesh needs something to help you step across that line where you can worship God as your inner man desires to. Not as your mind does, not as your flesh does, because your mind and flesh will do everything it can do to suppress the spirit man. This is something you grow into, you just don't start out doing it, but when the Holy Ghost begins to move, there's your influence. On the day of Pentecost, they're all in one accord, all in one place. Suddenly there come what? A sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. And it did what? It filled the house. Before the people were filled, the house was filled. 
Oh, I ought to get a better amen than that. Before the people were filled, the house was filled. And what has the devil done for 2,000 years? Done everything he can do to get the Holy Ghost out of the house. Because if he can get him out of the house, he gets him out of the people. So we put up statues, we put up saints, we create altars, we light candles, we ring bells, we wave feathers, and we think it's God and it's nothing. And we call it reverent and it's, we call it holy and it's nothing but dead men's bones. But then you get some hungry people together. Amen. Kind of like the, the valley of the dry bones. And what? You begin to connect them. See, there's a whole other teaching right there. You begin, to get, you begin to begin to connect. See, God will breathe on that which is connected. You're, you're missing out. God wants to breathe on that which is connected. That's why we've got fall harvest coming this year. That's why we've got people like Brother Joe Morris and Brother Jeff Spring and Brother Mark Mazzini, people we are connected to that flow in the Holy Ghost. I go to Brother Mark's church, the power of God falls. I preach camp meetings with Brother Jeff, the power of God falls. I go to Randy's church, these other churches. We have Holy Ghost meetings. The Spirit of God moves. See, I'm preparing you for something in October. That's why we're teaching on worship. You say, what happens? The Spirit fills the house. Here He comes into the house, and He supplies that, not from the outside in. That's vanity. You can always tell when it's vanity. It's out of order. It disrupts. And it caused the Spirit of God to be turned right down to nothing. Man, I've been around, Lord have mercy. Because just because somebody got some big name in ministry doesn't mean anything. I found that a long time ago. People going around teaching worship, warfare, worship, all this kind of guard. Let me tell you, that didn't do nothing but hurt the church. That's all it did was hurt the church. There There was no spirituality in that. Actually, there was no foundation of the Word of God in it. But when you begin to open yourself up and you begin to say, Father, I love you so much. And I used to give my members to the devil. I used to give my, my, my hands, used to do things that were not right. My feet used to take me to places that were not right. My eyes used to behold that which was not right. My ears used to hear that which was not right. And I put myself under the influence of that, which caused me to step outside the boundaries of my character. But now I am your child. I am born again. My hands are doing that which is right. My feet are taking me to the places that are right. My eyes are beholding that which is right. My ears are hearing that which is right. Holy Spirit of God, fill me to the brim. Fill me full. I lift my hands to worship. I lift my hands to praise. I lift my hands to glorify you. I lift my hands to exalt you. Next thing you know, you may step across a character line and where you ain't never shouted before, you start going, Woo, glory to God. You start thinking, what am I doing? What am I doing? Don't stop. That's the Spirit of God taking you into a place you need to go to because as your worship increases, His presence in your life, His presence in the house, His presence in your situation, it increases and multiplies until when people walk in, they say, what is in here? It changes the atmosphere. It changed the entire atmosphere of the service. It'll change the entire atmosphere of a home. When people learn how to worship God. Now listen, that iniquity that was in you was a strong force. Where did my time go? My goodness. 
All right, give me, give me, give me just a couple minutes, and I'll, and I'll quit. That iniquity in you was a strong force. It's stronger than common sense. Anybody ever smoke cigarettes before you got saved? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know that. <laughs> do you remember the first cigarette you ever smoked? Wasn't that the sweetest thing you ever did in your life? Wasn't that just great? You just, your body said, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Isn't that what happened? No, your, your body did what? It hacked, it coughed, it choked. You know what your body was saying? You know what your flesh was saying? Never, ever put that stuff in me again. That's what it was saying. Then how did you end up a four-pack-a-day smoker? There had to be a force stronger than common sense. And on the negative side of that, it destroys you. On the Holy Ghost side of that... Our problem we have in the body of Christ is we have too many common sense Christians. Because all you need is one good touch of the Holy Ghost. And everything about it, your mind, your flesh, your spirit man on the inside, you're like this. I got to, I got to, I got to have more. I got to have more of that. I, no, 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 no. You tell the devil, nah, I ain't sinning no more. Forget all that. I ain't living like that no more. I ain't going to those places no more. I ain't drinking that stuff no more. I snort now. I don't need that no more. I have taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that that's two senses. Taste and see there is a tangibility to the Spirit of God. There is activity to the Spirit of God. He wants to come in and touch you so you can feel it. So you can know, man, that's God has touched me. Woo! God has touched me. Something has gone through my being. You say, what does it feel like? I ain't got a clue, and it's happened to me thousands of times. I can't describe it. All I know is when it happens, it happens. And it's not natural. It's supernatural. And it takes you beyond your limitations and your character, and you step into a place of worship you've never been. You begin to see what you've never seen, hear what you've never heard. Considered what you've never considered. Dream what you've never dreamed. Expect what you've never expected. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and worship God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word tonight. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, as we look into and consider and teach, we thank you. Lord, we're like, we're like packing a bomb and getting ready to light a fuse. For the move of your spirit that we desire. Oh, we've seen a few things over the years and they've been so sweet. And they've been so good, Lord. Lord, we've seen some wonderful healings. Some great moves of your spirit. But Father, we know we're not there yet. Lord, but we press as Paul did. We press. We press in the word. We press in the spirit. We press through prayer. We press in the things of God through righteous living, through holiness. We press, we press, Lord. We desire the unprecedented move of your Spirit on this island. Unprecedented move of your Spirit in this church. Stretch forth your hand to heal. Let signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for it, Father. We worship you tonight. Just take a moment and worship the Lord. We thank you for it, Jesus.
Now, for one thing that I didn't understand is that reproduction of moves of God, they're, they're strange. For 18 years, I traveled as a revivalist. I mean, everywhere we went, signs and wonders and miracles. I mean, I'm, I, if you want to get the testimonies out and look at them, we'll match them with any minister on the planet. Blind eyes open. Cripples walk. Tremendous miracles of healing, salvation, deliverances of people. Had a guy one time, powerful move of the Holy Ghost, walked up the aisle. Ushers, I don't know why the ushers didn't stop him. Most of them were laying on the floor. He came up to me and said, I'm a practicing Satanist. I've been a practicing Satanist for 40 years. He said, now I know God is real. I said, what? He said, now I know God is real. Wasn't what I preached. It was the move of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Ghost. I took his hand. He prayed the sinner's prayer. When he fell out under the power of God, nobody caught him. He fell in slow motion. When his head hit the floor, he's speaking in tongues. I could go on and on and tell you stuff like that all night. But see, for some reason, God anointed me and let me take it with me. Let me take it with me. Then he, then he took me, put me here in, on the island, and he said, now it's got to come not through your ministry. It's got to come through the church. So you have to grow it. You have to build it. You have to see it increase. Sure, the enemies fought us, tried to destroy us, do this, do that. People have gotten confused, mixed up, but we still have had our eyes set on that one thing. Because, see, I'm a revivalist. That's what I am. Always have been, ever since I've been in the ministry. And it's going to hit. It's going to happen. You say, why? Because line upon line, precept upon precept, where it was done by gifting for 18 years, now it's being done by the Word. Why? So it can be in the church, so the glory can come in the church because He's coming back not for an evangelistic association. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot or Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. Man, I went way over time. I apologize. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. The entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you for your anointing to teach for our eyes of our understanding being in light. Lord, as we leave tonight, we rejoice in your protection. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.